Hey, good morning. Welcome to the Gig 2 Podcast Thursday morning news show. We got to come up with a shorter name than that. <laughs> yeah. I'm Chad, Gig 2 Podcast. My co-host, Driven Joe. Wild. Driven Wild. What's going down on? South Florida there. We're both in mm. Florida, in case you didn't know. I mean, we know. I'm talking about, like, the viewers might not know. We're both in yeah. Florida. <laughs> yeah. And we're both from New York, although you're from Long Island. I'm from upstate. So it's proportionally <laughs> accurate, actually speaking. <laughs> North Florida, yeah, and, South Florida, North New York, South New York. Well, I'm more like Central Florida. Like Jacksonville is North Florida. But as far as distance, isn't it about the same? Nah, it's Jacksonville is like two, two and a half hours north of here. It's not like the and difference how, between New York and Albany. And, uh, yeah, okay, that's a good point. <laughs> anyway, viewers might have noticed that I shaved my beard off. In fact, I posted it on TikTok. And Leo's saying hi. Sup, cat? <laughs> How's it feel to not have a beard or have a goatee these days? You know, it's kind of, it's nice. I mean, I was going for... I started growing that like last August and I was like, you know, I should just go for an even year, but I mean, I can't remember the exact date that mm -hmm. is the start date. So and it was just kind of bugging me. So, and I, my, my parents were here visiting a couple weeks ago. My mom, my, the whole time she was like nagging me like, ah, quit that goatee so ugly. You should shave that off. Oh like, my gosh. <laughs> Family can be like that. <laughs> And you're Italian, so it's probably the opposite for you. Your parents are probably like, why don't you grow a beard? <laughs> Actually speaking, my parents have never really bugged me about my facial hair. Just the ta the hair on my head. Like well, you better you have a keep... full, thick head of hair, you know? And you better keep it that way. <laughs> uh, you use anyway. any kind of a uh, product or anything? I mean, anti-dandruff shampoo, head and shoulders, man. Yeah, like, it's me too. not too special. I get what? the uh, if you shop at BJ's or Costco at Sam's Club, you can get you get like those two gigantic bottles for like twelve bucks, maybe, and each bottle will last like nine months to a year. Yeah, so you yeah. get like a year, year and a half supply for like dirt, dirt cheap. There's one problem with that. I do not currently have a Costco or Sam's Club membership. Is there BJ's Although, there? That's just it. No, there isn't. <laughs> Kyle Dash said grave before shave. <laughs> ah. Well, he's got the face that can. He's got the he's face got the full, of a like the Zach Wild beard over yeah. here. Like he can actually live in Atlantis and call upon <laughs> the lightning in there, man. It's funny. We're talking about all the stuff that we're talking about. You have to see. So anybody who's listening to this on the audio podcast, if you're not if you're not watching us on YouTube, like they have no idea what we're talking about. They're probably <laughs> so frustrated. Uh, too funny. Michelle Sonnier. Sonnier. Good morning. Good morning. My first Michelle. time seeing this. First time seeing this person. Where's Eric Perrick? He's always here. He was actually on my live show on my channel, actually. Yeah, he's all. Yeah. Oh, there he is. Eric, Hello, what up? <laughs> he said, I got videos on my channel for a better view. Anyway, I haven't worked since Monday. Um, 
gas price was still really high around here. And it came down like a few cents. Mm. I think I, it was definitely an all time high, 489. I think it's down like 483 right now. Yeah. It's still for pretty bad. Here, for here, it's uh, 489 still. They haven't come down at all. This is this is ridiculous. Um, any uh, interesting tales from the road this week? Uh, tales from the road, not necessarily. Tales from my t- jawline, yeah, because <laughs> I just got my uh, fillings for one tooth, and then I'm gonna get, have to have a root canal on the other. Oh man, yeah. I've never had a had a root canal, but I've had. In fact, I have a dentist appointment next week. In fact. I have a dentist appointment next Thursday morning, so we might have to do the show next week, either on like Wednesday night or Friday morning, something like that, or maybe Thursday night. Well, we'll let talk me about know it. it. Yeah, we'll talk yeah. about it behind the yeah. scenes. But yeah, very interesting experience since I am as frequent to the dentist as I am with the doctor, and I'm just not at all with the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> I that's the opposite of me. Like I, I, ever since I moved to Florida, I didn't realize I had. Actually, my teeth are fine. It's my gums that are uh, in lousy shape. I've been brushing my teeth wrong. In fact, 99% of people out there are brushing their teeth wrong. You have like a toothbrush and you scrub probably as hard as you can and as fast as you can. Mm-hmm. That's not how you're supposed to brush your teeth. What you really do, if you don't have an electric toothbrush, you have a manual one, is you basically, you set it like at a 45 degree angle and you like just kind of kind of wiggle it back and forth between, you know, because you're really cleaning the the spot where your tooth meets the gum line. Yeah. You're not the, your teeth are actually pretty much self-cleaning. It's your the bacteria builds up at the gum line and in between the teeth. So, mm-hmm. you know, don't scrub your teeth like you're trying to scrub the enamel off. Like work the gum line. And that's the that's one to grow on, folks. I need that the more you know thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh. I thought it'd be fun to joke around a little because our first our I, I, well, our whole first segment is not very good news, as is the theme of the show the last few months. <laughs> mm. uh, let's get started. So you might have heard about this. It actually it happened on Tuesday, but I didn't hear about it until last night. This is from MassLive.com. Massachusetts High Court blocks gig worker ballot question affecting Uber Lyft drivers from moving forward. Now, if you're not familiar with this, this is basically Massachusetts' equivalent of Prop 22 or very similar to it. I don't think the the proposition had anything about pay, like how like a minimum wage, like how Prop 22 did, but it was just basically they're going to do it as a proposition on this coming fall ballot. Just ask the people if gig workers should be considered independent contractors or employees. So this is it's a pretty long article. I'm going to try to get through this as quick as possible. So bear with me, folks. Massachusetts High Court has blocked a ballot measure from moving forward that would have asked voters if app-based drivers for companies like Uber, Lyft, and Instacart should be treated as independent contractors rather than employees with regular shifts, benefits, and hourly wages. The Supreme Judicial Court ruled on Tuesday that ballot questions supported by a coalition of drivers for the big tech service providers overreached in their attempt to include a proposal that would limit the company's liability in case of accidents on the road. The majority opinion penned by Justice Scott Kafker took no issue with most of the language included in the question, which is devoted to defining a new contract-based relationship between network companies and app-based drivers. But the justices ruled vaguely word propositions near the end are in violation because they erroneously introduce a separate unrelated policy proposal. 
The petitions thus violate the related subjects requirement because they present voters with two substantially distinct policy distinct policy decisions. One confined for the most part to the contract-based and voluntary relationship between app-based drivers and network companies. The other couched in confusingly vague and open-ended provisions, apparently seeking to limit the network company's liability to third parties injured by app-based drivers' tortorious conduct, Justice wrote. Labor attorney Shannon Liss Riordan, who represents Martin L. Cusa, one of the lead plaintiffs of the lawsuit aiming to strike the question from the ballot, called the ruling a tremendous victory for working people across Massachusetts. Liss Riordan is also a co-founder of Massachusetts is Not for Sale, the organization leading the opposition to Uber and Lyft's push to change gig worker laws. Attorney General Maura Healy in September, that'll be September last year, greenlit the ballot measure uh, a move challenged by a group of worker advocates and drivers arguing that Haley shouldn't have certified the proposals because they violate the state's constitution. The attorney general defended the certification, as did a group of app-based drivers who supported the initiative. The attorney general's office did not immediately respond to questions on Tuesday. Liz Riordan, who is running for attorney general with Healy sites set on the governor's seat, said that as a labor lawyer for the two decades, she would have looked at the ballot initiatives a little differently. A clear majority of Massachusetts voters and rideshare and delivery drivers both supported and would have passed the ballot question of law. That's exactly why opponents resorted to litigation to subvert the democratic process and deny voters the right to make their own decision. A spokesman for flexibility and benefits for Massachusetts drivers said in a statement. The future of these services and the drivers will earn them or who earn on them is now in jeopardy. And we hope the legislature will stay with 8% of drivers who want flexibility and to remain independent contractors while having access to new benefits. Critics of the ballot proposal say the contract-based work leaves drivers idling in their cars for long hours, resulting in low wages and allows big money tech giants to get out of paying for benefits, including sick time and pay leave. Supporters, including many drivers, said the setup provides flexibility for drivers to earn on their own time outside of the constraints of regular shift work. And they kind of go in the background here. So, yes, a pretty long story there. All right. So my my takeaway from this is I kind of have mixed feelings on it. I mean, this is more or less the same thing what happened in California with Prop 22 is that they're saying it, there was some wording in there deep down in the prop that um, violated the state's constitution, not the federal constitution, the state constitution. And it, they're saying like it's they're really asking two questions on this ballot proposal. So, it, but again, as the same thing happened with California, it's always like, why does it take until it reaches a high court before somebody figures this out? Because it's not like they have like us put these ballot, you know, we're not lawyers, you know, it's not like mm -hmm. they ask schmucks like us to write out like they're they're paying top dollar for top lawyers to get this right. And I also find it interesting. They said Maura Healy, who's the state attorney general, that's the highest lawyer in the state. She mm -hmm. approved it. So either she's grossly incompetent at her job or she doesn't care or what. And also it's like both of these, the people, the list Riordan uh, said she's running for, she's, she's running for attorney general and the attorney general is running for governor. Although they're both, I assume they're both Democrats, so they probably agree more than they disagree. So, my and another, my other takeaway from this is, why does this never happen in a red state? I, we need we need like a solid, solid red state like Alabama, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, some something like that. Do we need a red state to do a Prop Twenty Two type prop like this and see what happens? 
All right, I'll turn it over to you now. <laughs> um, well, first off, I am not too deep into the politics of it all between red and blue and all that. Mm -hmm. But I will state this. Shannon List Royden was actually one of the people I reached out to when I was trying to get reactivated on DoorDash. And she completely said, no, I'm not willing to help you. So I don't know how. I don't know how accurate or like how she actually is looking to help gig workers. Honestly, I genuinely feel that in most cases, she's more looking for the political view of it all, looking like she's helping gig workers when she's really just looking for a payday. So, mm. um, but that's pretty that you could say that about a lot of lawyers that work on contingency, like Shannon Lisroyden's firm typically operates upon. Um, that being said, the fact that she's running it for attorney general, I think that would be a really bad thing for gig workers as a whole, because the more states that start to change how things operate for gig workers, the less opportunity, well, just the less overall we're going to have as a, just, just the less flexibility we're going to have as gig workers as a whole. I don't know how people like, I don't know how it is in California to be perfectly honest, but I sincerely doubt it's going to be anywhere near that for across the board for all states in the United States. How did you come in contact with her? If she's in Massachusetts and you're in Florida. I was reaching out to everybody that even <laughs> looked like they can, they were had some kind of experience with um, dealing with DoorDash and all of that. And that being said, I re Google the first person that came up was uh, her law firm, Healy something. And I'm sorry, mm -hmm. whatever her uh, not list Riordan. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Shannon list Riordan's like place. And in fact, somebody on Facebook actually said, hey, this person actually it says that she's for gig workers. So maybe she'll help you. Uh, no, she's. Like her firm specializes in misclassification law. So therefore she's not really for gig workers. She's for a payday. Yeah. They're, they're, whenever you say, see labor attorney, or when you see the word labor, it, it doesn't mean labor. It means union. You know, yeah. it's a bullshit. Um, it's a, it's a couch term to be, you know, to put it nicely, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so I mean, it doesn't surprise me that this happened in Massachusetts, you know, pretty blue state. I mean, home of the Kennedys and Elizabeth Warren is one of their senators. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're quite as they're, they're they're a different shade of blue than like California, especially San Francisco blue, where San Francisco is just oddly enough, like um, more of the progressive socialist. Massachusetts was more of the blue dog uh, corporate Democrat, you know, where they you know, they'll, they'll gladly take money from businesses as long as they get in line with their policy and, you know, and they're, they're okay with unions and all that stuff. But yeah. anyway, well, this, you know, I'm getting off on a rant. This isn't the Tim Pool show, but um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with this. I'm still waiting to see what happens with Prop 22 because that, that got struck down almost a year ago. I remember when Hannibal and I started this show last summer, it was one of the first stories we talked about. I think it was like the second or third show. And so that's coming up on almost a year. So like Prop 22 is actually still in effect in California. 
anybody in California watching? Probably not. It's like six in the morning at their time. Um, but uh, yeah, so Prop 22 is still in effect in California until uh, until this reaches a higher court, maybe even the Supreme Court, until there's a final decision. So uh, I, I don't know what's going to, because this is, was supposed to be on the ballot this coming November. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if there's going to be enough time to for them to appeal to get to another, you know, maybe the first uh, district or whatever. I, I forget which. There's there's nine federal district courts and like it's one for each of the Supreme Court justices. So um, I believe Florida is the seventh. I don't know. I get a mix up. But um, so like I said, I'll be curious to see if this goes anywhere or if they just give up on it. I think uh, I think Uber and Lyft, if they were smart and they're not, what they should do is your read or well, they may your read Atlas Shrugged. No, I have not. Are familiar with it at all? No. It's a well, it's an Ayn Rand novel from like the fifties, and it's um, you know, Ayn Rand was very much pro corporation, anti government, anti union, mm-hmm. and it's like the story of what happens of uh if the businesses just decided not to uh play along with with the federal government's regulations and policies and all that and mm. it's they made they made a trilogy of movies about it a few years ago and they're god awful <laughs> you i watched them last year on amazon they're on amazon prime if you want to watch them for free but they're v- terrible movies but the it's just one of those things where, and the book was much better it is it's true the book was much better than the movie but um it's just a matter of like so my point was uber and lyft should just say and this this came really close to happening a couple of years ago when um when ab5 went into effect uber came like this close to just stop uh operating in the state of california and it's like why don't you guys do that why don't you pull out of california illinois massachusetts these you know really solid blue states and see what happens because you know i it like depends we can't on make how any... much money they're actually making there in comparison to everywhere else. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, but if you listen to Steve on Ride Chair Rodeo, which I highly recommend, not just his YouTube channel, but uh, he does an audio podcast twice a week too. Hmm. Uh, he was talking about this too. He's just like, you know, the, you know why Instacart and all these apps have like, you know, they've bottomed out our pay and like, you know, they used to pay great. Now they don't. It's because yeah. the entire state of California and like Seattle and all these, the whole West Coast is accounting for like ninety percent. It's it's the uh, Pareto parad or uh, Pareto principle, eighty percent mm-hmm. twenty. So it's like, you know, California is like the the twenty percent of the cause for eighty percent of the effect. Like, so, yeah, or I should say the entire West Coast. Um, twenty those that twenty percent of people is accounting for eighty percent of all expenses and. They should just pull an atlas shrug, pull out of the entire West Coast. But they'll never do that because, you know, they're woke corporations. And yeah, for them, they'd rather lose the money than um, be seen as anything, you know, not in line with the uh, regime. And I don't, I don't mean just the Democratic machine. I mean, like the entire uniparty regime. But hmm. anyway, Eric said, I know about Atlas Shrugged. Yeah. <laughs> It's probably available as a free PDF if anybody wants to uh, read it. Anyway, sorry for the political rant, everybody. Um, but uh, let's let's move on. So our next two stories are both about Uber and Lyft. Um, if I could click the right button, there we go. This is from Seeking Alpha. It's a like an investing website. Could Uber benefit from a recession? 
So they make this this guy makes an argument here about how Uber could actually could not will but could benefit from a recession. Let me zoom in a little so you guys can see. There we go. All right, Uber shares have lost more than 40% of their value since the start of the year, largely on concerns over increased spending, but investment firm Barclays believes the ride-sharing and mobility company could actually benefit from a potential upcoming recession. Analyst Ross Sandler said that Dara Kaurashawi-led company could be a major beneficiary if the economy were to contract as driver supply could ease and it could lose some of its competition as private market funding dries up, which we've talked about you know, last few shows, actually. One of the best times to generate positive returns in consumer internet, I think I think they mean interest because in, it says in consumer internet, seem, tends to be when stocks go from the sentiment doghouse to less bad and eventually to the positive camp. Sandler said in a research note, we think this may be one of those moments for Uber. Company has worked to improve its free cash flow. Last month, Kash Rashawi sent an email to employees that was obtained by CNBC in which said Uber is working to make sure its unit economics work before we go big and that marketing and incentive spending would go down. We will be even more hardcore about costs across the board. He wrote in an email, we have made a ton of progress in terms of profitability. He said that while Uber is serving multi-trillion dollar markets, such sizes don't matter if they don't lead to profitability. Agreed. In a recession, employers tend to pull back on hiring, but for Uber, it may be just the opposite. Earlier this week, Kash Rashawi said Uber would extend its fuel surcharge only for rideshare drivers, not for Uber Eats drivers. And though company was cautious on hiring, no layoffs were planned. And then they talk about Uber, or they talk about Lyft and DoorDash, but we'll get to them next. Uh, Deutsche Bank Sandler said he believes Uber is close to an important inflection point around positive free cash flow and self-funding which could cause some of the bearish sentiment around the stock to dissipate. If Uber is able to generate positive free cash flow this year, Sandler expects it to happen sometime in the second half. That may put concerns around the unit economics and sustainability of the business model to rest. Sandler also added that Uber has seen its tri trip volume fully recover in international markets compared to pre-pandemic levels in around 8% in the U.S., but there are signs that it is improving. Using New York City trip data, Sandler found that rideshare market share compared to public transportation is actually up 2% as the pandemic continues in its later stages. If a trip data continues to improve for the next several quarters, the fourth quarter could be above the pre-pandemic highs. With Sandler believing that revenue could grow on compound annual basis in the mid 20% range until 2024 and in the teens beyond. So, um, I mean, I'll take his word for it. They don't. I don't think he really makes a great argument for why Uber could benefit other than it just says, um, it was towards the beginning here. Um, as driver supply could ease and it could lose some of its competition as private market funding dries up, which we've talked about before, mm -hmm. as you know. Um, so basically what they're saying, if Lyft goes belly up, which I think there's a real possibility they will. I mean, I don't think it's going to be tomorrow, but um, yeah, I mean, if, if Uber is the only game in town, <laughs> then then yeah, I think they'll, they'll stand a benefit. Yeah, they would absolutely benefit. Um, I, I honestly am not too familiar with the whole investor side of this, but at the same time, do I understand where he's coming from? Yeah. Do I think that it'll go up during this recession? No, because I think that any gig company, regardless of DoorDash, Uber, Uber, uh, Lyft, whatever else is out there, honestly, Grubhub. Mm -hmm. These companies do well 
when the economy is doing well as a whole. And unfortunately, this is not exactly the time where everybody is financially happy. Gas prices are insane. Even with the fuel, like the fuel surcharge that yeah, a lot of 40 people, cents, <laughs> yeah, 40, 40, 45, 35 cents in some states, like that wasn't going to do anything in the long term. And they knew it. That's why they pretty much stopped it. And it's just, I just can't imagine that this. Can I imagine Lyft going belly up from this? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do, do I think that would make Uber go up in value? Absolutely. Do I think that it, Uber is going like? Do I think Uber is going to benefit otherwise? Not not necessarily. That's literally the only way in my foreseeable future that I can imagine lift like Uber skyrocketing or anything to that effect through the recession. Yeah, you know, it wasn't mentioned in this article, but it's it's in the comments, and I've seen this on Reddit and all over the place. Is one of the arguments this guy didn't make, which he should have, is because because gas is so high, it's it's actually cheaper for some people to take an Uber to and from work. Um, and tip of, the driver. And, yeah, well, not tip obviously not tip the driver, um, and also it's um, you know they said. Uh, Uber and Lyft was were up a little over public transportation, which I think we talked about last week or uh, the week before. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so not much else to say about this one. And it's, we kind of got these two stories together. So we're just talking about Uber possibly going up. This one is the opposite. Lyft stock is in need of roadside assistance. This is from investorplace.com. They are not NewsGuard certified. So, you know. Tread lightly, folks. Uh, ride-hailing and delivery company Lyft continues to disappoint investors on multiple fronts. Lyft stock is down 63% year-to-date and trading 78% below its initial public offering uh, price of $70, $72 per share from March 2019. Currently, shares sit just above their all-time low. That's true. Like right now is like 15 and change, $15.16. It was it was 14-something yesterday or two days ago, and it's oh. lost 86, 80% since its IPO. Um, let's get back to it. San Francisco-based co- company reported weak first quarter results in a disappointing outlook for the current current quarter. has also been buried under a mountain of legal and political bat- battles. The erosion of Lyft stock has been steady and prolonged with no signs of turnaround in sight. Dip buyers who purchased Lyft stock at its current distress levels are likely to be frustrated. <laughs> That's true for me. As the share price continues to fall in the coming weeks and months. Lyft looking to cut costs. The latest news from Lyft is that the company is slowing hiring this year. That's the opposite of Uber, what they said, and reassessing its budgets as it looks to cut costs amid deteriorating macroeconomic conditions and a dramatic change in investor sentiment. While Lyft said it has no intention of laying off employees right now, talk of the cost-cutting measures only added to the poor sentiment investors have toward the company and Lyft stock. The company's rideshare or sorry, ridership numbers continue to decline and have yet to recover to their pre-pandemic levels. For quarter one, Lyft reported 17.8 million active riders, 
which missed analyst estimates and was 5% lower than the 18.73 million active riders the company had in the fourth quarter of 2021. Company said it plans to continue spending heavily on driver incentives this year in an effort to entice people to work for the company as freelance operators as gasoline prices soar. And then they talk about this, these lawsuits and political battles, but I don't think this writer knows what he's talking about because he said they're embroiled in political fights all over the world, which that's bullshit because Lyft is only in the United States. Not, I don't even think they're in Canada. So this is, you know, take this article with a big grain of salt. It's more of an op-ed than, than journalism. Uh, but I do agree with this last uh, paragraph here. Don't buy Lyft stock. For Lyft shareholders, there just doesn't seem to be any good news. A search on the company will result in a flood of headlines about financial losses, a plunging share price, hiring freezes, class action lawsuits, and political barnstorming. It all adds up to a giant cloud of negativity that is dragging Lyft share price lower. Don't I know it. Given the myriad of problems impacting the company's outlook, investors would be well advised to steer clear and not try to catch this falling knife. Lyft stock is not a buy. Yeah, I, it's it's like I wrote this article. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I've lost. Uh, I just wanted to show my uh, my cash app here. So I've lost. I don't know if you guys can see. It. Let me turn the brightness down. I bought Lyft, you know, earlier this year, just like in January or something. And it's long. Let's see. So the share price right now. Oh, just drop the market just opened. So it's down to fourteen dollars fifty four cents. And I've lost. See where it says lost right up there. I've lost forty eight. 0.4% of my investment. That's almost half. Half the money invested in Lyft is gone. Now, do I hodl and hope that it comes back? Or do I cash out now and just take the loss? I mean, at least it's a tax write-off. Yeah, it would be a tax write-off in that case. Um, good question. I honestly don't think that buying into any one gig company at this point in time Mm -hmm. unless you're really looking to like really buy the dip and then hope it takes off. I don't think it makes sense to do lift. Unfortunately, I can't imagine making a recovery because any ride share between Uber and Lyft, I think with just Uber is pretty much the only one that can make a recovery because Uber is not just, rideshare it's food delivery it's everything lyft i think is only rideshare i don't think it does anything else i know it has a white yeah. label food delivery program but i i don't i haven't even heard anybody talk about lyft in a i don't think it's way. i don't think it's food delivery i think it's like logistics delivery because you know i've done lyft as a a driver and you know well you only do uber eats you're not an uber rideshare driver right no okay well i mean uber has their uber connect which is for sending like packages like not people you know anything other than people yeah across town lift the same thing in there so um but like and we've talked about this you know a few months ago like doordash has no interest in buying lyft because doordash says doordash drivers want to be doordash drivers and lyft said lyft drivers want to be lyft drivers and there's very little overlap between them. It's just that, you know, if you do rideshare, according to their research, which, you know, you know, so you may not agree with it, but, um, you know, because if you're a full-time gig worker, if you like, you know, like I said, there's five main sectors. Yeah, the rideshare, food delivery, grocery shopping, you know, logistics like Amazon Flex, Roadie, Dispatch, and then yeah. chore monkeys, uh, TaskRabbit, Rover. Yeah. 
uh, launder, stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, but some people get into like just one of those five uh, verticals, as they're called, and they don't want to leave. Um, I mean, here in Orlando, rideshare is garbage. Like you make like, <laughs> I was going to say slave wages, but that sounds, you know, a little cruel, but um, it's on the nose. Yeah. yeah. You make uh, like tiny Tim Bob Cratchit wages. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I don't know if we if there's any more to add on this. I mean, it's it doesn't. But the thing is, it doesn't make sense. Like, why would do Uber do so well and Lyft? Well, I mean, not that Uber is really doing well to begin with, but um, I mean, Lyft just copies whatever Uber does, and somehow they're doing worse. I don't think Uber is co- Lyft is copying everything that uber does i think lyft is copying the rideshare side of it unfortunately mm-hmm. uber is again one of five one of like in three of the five verticals that make the gig economy so uber would survive with just uber eats but would it but it has uber uber eats uber connect i don't even know what uber connect is like but that's pretty much what it is mm-hmm. at this point. Um, I just well, can't imagine. I just don't think Lyft is in any of the sector, other sectors enough to justify survive, like doing, like committing to anything else at this point. Yeah. I think they gotta, I think Lyft needs to like clean house. They need to same thing like with Grubhub, which we'll talk about next. It's just that like Lyft and Grubhub are both in like kind of the same predicament of just that they started out pretty okay. And then they just kind of got into a rut and they haven't, they haven't tried anything new. Yeah. They need to, I think they need to diversify a little bit. Like they need to diversify into other, I, I guess, Verticals would be the best way to put it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Grubhub, uh, let's see. Oh, Kyle said you don't lose money until you sell. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But, um, it's that's the thing with investing. It's more about theoretical money. You know, like technically, like I haven't lost any money. It's but if I were to sell, then it's a, then it's an official loss. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's move on. So we got this is a Grubhub story that's not bad news for once. Well, maybe maybe it is for some people. Grubhub gears up for full rollout of campus delivery robots. In this pic, I don't. This picture doesn't look like this is like from like the '60s or '70s, like with whatever filter they put on here. Yeah, it's like an old picture, but you can see people on the street wearing masks. Hmm. And like, why would they use this? Like, where you can barely see it. This is bad. This is, you know, as somebody who actually has worked as a photographer and a journalist, um, this is poor, poor photography in my opinion. So anyway, let's move on to the story. As food delivery businesses look to make the economics of the model more efficient, Grubhub is rolling out autonomous delivery at college campuses. The aggregator announced Monday, June 13th, that after a spring pilot test at Ohio State University, the company is making its partnership with self-driving robotics company CartKen available to colleges across the country. The aggregator has existing partnerships with over 250 U.S. college campuses. And then there's they talk about how great it is. And then they talk about DoorDash discussed it last year, and then Uber Eats announced in midway mid-May that they're like looking into doing something similar, blah, blah, blah. And then we'll just kind of come down to the end here. 
Aggregators driver labor challenges come as demand for rest for restaurant delivery remains high. Not really. It's starting to get low right now. In fact, one of the three uh, restaurant customers order from delivery aggregators each month, according to data from the March, April edition of payments, digital divide series, blah, 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 created in collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. So they're just plugging their own stuff here. Uh, what insiders are saying in an interview with payments, Wade Allen, senior vice president and head of innovation at Chile's parent company, Brinker international spoke to the need for these sorts of tech power delivery upgrades. Delivery is really inefficient. Allen said it's a half ton vehicle. It's a single person generally taking food somewhere between a mile to two miles. Gas prices are going up. There's pressure on labor or there's just a lot of expense in that. It's really inefficient. So you start to think about it. Hey, is there a smarter way to do this? Yeah. Allen, Kashani serves co-founder and CEO contended interview with payments that even as these sorts of robotic deliveries become more widespread through initiatives such as Uber Eats partnership, it will nonetheless take time to overcome resistance to the new technology. I agree. There's a ton of demand already. It's just a matter of time. It's just patience. Uh, Kashani said, you have to go through the process, but put the robots out, take care of the integrations, go through the manufacturing of more robots. It takes time to engage regulators, engage cus customers, there's an education component, making sure people understand why this exists, why it needs to exist. So, yeah, the the problem I've seen lots of stories about, you know, these campus rollouts, but are the the robots? But I've never seen one where they actually show how it works. Because, like, is it? Are they ordering like from like a McDonald's within the campus or like outside the campus? And like, also, how does like what if the the person lives on the twentieth floor of the dorm? Is there an arm that can come out and push the elevator button or is it like smart technology where the, the, the robot can talk to the elevator to say, you know, fifth floor, please, or whatever. So there's so much, you know, missing information on these stories other than the fact that it's happening. Yeah. Um, well, as far as going up to multiple floors, I think at some point that, well, one side says, like, does it act, do they actually go up to the floor? Or do they actually instruct the customer, customer to, come down. to come down? That's one thing. The other thing is with elevators as janky as they are in some of these buildings right now and with campuses not upgrading <laughs> their systems, at what point is there actually going to be smart technology for them to actually synchronize with that? Honestly, there is it's too far away at this point to mm -hmm. think that it's going to actually be a massive like rollout throughout the country. But do I think that it can happen? Yeah, but I wouldn't worry about it yet. Yeah, and it's it's a cost benefit analysis thing is like so if they roll out robots, well first so they save money on having to pay drivers pay humans but do they you have to also spend money to make the robots to buy them because and then technicians to service them and i assume there's probably operators of some sort you know to like at least you know watch make sure doing. that there's nobody messing with them because yeah it, all it takes yeah. is some jackass to just push it over <laughs> yeah and that's tip assist not to mention you're talking about college campuses you make one prank on yeah. a college campus by tipping it over and suddenly got a popular TikTok. Yeah, so it's not like it's impossible to happen. 
Yeah, imagine if this was around during the like the hey. It's funny. I was just watching. Remember that Simpsons episode where Homer goes to college? Thing is like season five. Oh gosh. And it's like his whole his whole notion of college is from like seventies college movies, like Animal House and stuff like that. You know. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of like imagine if like these robots were around during like the Animal House type. I, I think college campus atmospheres have changed drastically different since the days of Animal House. You know, um, if anybody out there is in college right now and you're watching or listening, let us know in the comments. Because um, I think the college kids now are more concerned. Like they actually they they might push the robots over, or burn them, or whatever because they hate corporations so much. Yeah. 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 They wouldn't be out there like putting bra bombs and <laughs> things like that in there. Anyway. Uh, we've been going over, wow, I was going to say a half hour, it's been 40 minutes, we haven't taken a break yet. So, real quick break, and we'll be right back. Are you a DoorDash delivery driver? Would you like to be safer and less stressed while driving, and earn more at the same time? The Driver's Utility Helper app allows you to do just that. Create custom filters and its automated system does the work for you, automatically declining unwanted low-paying requests and accepting more profitable requests so you can focus on driving. Visit acceptordecline.com to get started today. All right, so we get kind of two breaks in one here. So we just had our commercial now we're going to watch two videos. I have not watched these yet. These are both local news about how gas prices are affecting gig workers. The first one's from Columbus, Ohio. The second one's from Topeka, Kansas. So uh, I have not watched these. I don't know if you watch these, Joe, but we're going to have our natural reactions here. About 80. It's a 17-gallon um, tank. So I can turn the... 80 bucks. That's how much a Columbus woman is paying to fill up her minivan these days. The average price of gas in Columbus now sits at $5.06. The national average still creeping toward that $5 mark. It's currently 4.98, up 1 cent from 24 hours ago. Ohio's average is a cent higher than Columbus. It's a tough price to pay for all of us, especially for people who rely on their cars to do their job. Yeah, some rideshare drivers telling us it's time to hit the brakes, while others say they'll keep putting the pedal to the metal because they have no other option. Earlier in the week, I only made $19.78 over a four-hour time. Dashing at that price isn't making the cut anymore for driver Tammy Walter and her husband, Ted. I put um, 75 in this morning, and it gave me almost a full tank. Tammy has been dashing since 2015 as her primary source of income. I first started dashing because my husband has cancer, and I was not able to work a full-time job because I took time off to to help him. On a good day, even with the high prices, Tammy says she can make pretty good money. If I dash all day, an eight-hour day, normally I can make around $150, um, $200 if the day's good. But paying $5 a gallon means reworking her dashing criteria. I usually try at least $150. If it's a short distance, it makes it you know, worth it to me to do that. Now having to take her mileage into account, Tammy says she's starting to turn down more deliveries than ever before. They tried to give me a a $3 order for 12 miles this morning, and I said, <laughs> Yeah, we've all been there. If it had a tip, I would. If we had that, we'd have, we wouldn't make it on gas. We'd be losing money on gas. But because it's their main source of income, they say they aren't hitting the brakes quite yet. I don't feel like I can stop right now. So, you know, we have to have some income coming in. 
Um, so DoorDash is what I do. Back in March, when we first saw gas prices take a jump this year, we met up with DoorDasher Art Valencia. At the time, the national average was 425, and he told us that wasn't a problem. But now, with prices in Ohio topping five bucks, Art told me this week over the phone that he's taking a break from dashing and focusing on another part-time job for a while. Well, even if you don't drive for a rideshare company like DoorDash, you're likely being impacted by the rising gas prices. I posted this poll on my Twitter page today asking if you've changed your driving habits because of the price of the pump. We're looking at the results right now. Pretty split down the middle, but slightly more people leaning toward changing those driving habits right now. All right. Um, let's just move on to the second one. The next one's um, much shorter, I believe. Why is it always muted? Force a career path change. 27 News reporter Matthew Johnson joins us live from Shawnee County for more. Matthew. For some, their work vehicle and personal car are one and the same. With high gas prices, those who deliver are facing a difficult dilemma that's putting their livelihood at risk. This is Jared Cobb. He lives in Overbrook, Kansas, but travels to Topeka to DoorDash six to seven days a week. When he was full-time, he'd work 18-hour shifts dashing. Now with the high cost of gas, that isn't an option for many delivery drivers. App-based delivery services like DoorDash have a base pay per order. While helpful, that base, pay, that base pay alone doesn't turn a profit or in some instance account for the cost of travel. When people don't tip, drivers can end up losing money instead of making money for the service they provide. We're here to make a profit just like any other people when they go to the 8 to 5 money through Friday job. You know, they go there to make money, to pay their bills, to support their family, buy a house, car, whatever they want to do. It's like same thing with DoorDash. I go there to support my family. Additionally, drivers aren't compensated for driving back to the busy restaurant part of town, making the trip back to Wanamaker from southeast Topeka without a tip even more brutal. If drivers don't see your delivery distance as cost effective, it'll take longer for someone to accept the request, which means you'll be waiting on your Taco Bell for a longer than usual. Yeah. Live in Shawnee County, working for you, Matthew Johnstone, 27 News. Well, I'm glad you pointed that out. Um, my first reaction to this is in both stories, it looked like uh, both of these gig workers that they showed, um, it looks like they only do DoorDash. So if I was talking to either of these people, I would say, well, you can't just do DoorDash. You get a multi-app and you can't even yeah. just do food delivery. You get on Instacart, Ship, Corner Shop. Hell, uh -huh. even, well, depending on what the rates are in your area, if you can, if the rates are high enough, you could try doing Uber and Lyft rideshare driving. Yeah. Um, and maybe if you, maybe you try TaskRabbit or something, you know, putting mm. people's bookshelves together. You can make 20 bucks an hour doing that or dog walking. Um, so yeah, the, my takeaway from this is you can't, you can't, man does not live by DoorDash alone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you got a multi-app. Um, and also did you notice both people, um, the, the, I think they were driving minivans or SUVs. They are not fuel efficient. I mean, it's, I know it's like, uh, it, it's easy to say, just get a more fuel efficient car, but okay. Yeah. Then it's that, that might not be an option if you can get a beater, some kind of like tiny even a two-seater you can do grub dash eats in some old mazda miata from the 90s <laughs> mm. if it's getting 30 30 miles of the gallon or whatever yeah. um i don't know 
what what would you tell these people? Well, first off, if gas if, if gas is a bad problem in your area, then you need to switch to a different car. I was on in your or boat a bike. where that's true. I don't know if that's actually an option in Ohio and Topeka, though. I don't know yeah. if D- DoorDash actually allows that. That's first of all. Second of all, if you need a more fuel-efficient car, I used to have a Nissan Rogue. That was okay on fuel, but it was terrible for repairs and maintenance because something was always a problem with the car. At, so, first off, it's not just about gas prices, it's about maintenance you need to actually switch to a car that's going to not only be fuel efficient, but just economically friendly as a whole. Um, That was a problem I had with my Nissan Rogue before I switched to the RAV. That's one thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad you pointed that out. The other part of that is your market might just be that small. I mean, who is it that who's the gig tuber that actually is in Ohio at the moment? I think it's Nugs. And yeah, Nugs. Yeah. He had yeah. to step back and focus on other things. Like, don't just diversify into the gig economy. Yes, you should absolutely be on multiple apps, but you should also be diversifying into other revenue sources as a whole. I mean, just look at the bunch of us. Like, we're the on the gig podcast. I have my own channel. Nugs has his own channel. You gotta start. Dwarfs us. What? <laughs> he dwarfs us. Yeah, he does <laughs> dwarf us. Absolutely. But that being said, he can actually step back and still be financially okay. Yeah. Where these people, all well, unfortunately, these they're people? not. The people <laughs> that were on the on the news. They were not, they, I haven't seen them on YouTube, so they may not be on at all. So maybe they don't have any other option. That's their well, primary source of income. I think we can both attest that, you know, we're not making Nugs money. I think Nugs makes in a day what, what I make in a month uh, as far as YouTube revenue. That you is know, true. He's getting like a bad video for him. It's like 10,000 views. If I got 10,000 views, I'd be jumping for joy, you know? So, yeah. I mean, we're not all as creative and it's also a matter of personality too. just, you know, people, they like you. So they'll watch you. It's not so much. Well, it is the content, but um, anyway, Kyle said, I've seen a huge increase in no tip offers. My, my area has seen an oversaturation, hoping that they leave soon. It's been rough on DoorDash, but I'm doing well with deliver that. That's good. I've been doing deliver that in a long time because well, first of all, I just don't work mornings anymore and all the jobs, they're all at 1030 in the morning. And I'm usually lifting weights at 1030. I don't get out the house until after lunch. So I don't really do deliver that anymore. Um, said Uber Eats, utter garbage in Raleigh, North Carolina. <laughs> uh, it seems to be garbage pretty much everywhere. I, like, I, I will say, I think I said this uh, when I was talking to Selendash uh, on Tuesday. Um, you know, if I turn on GrubDash, if I turn... Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash all at the same time. In fact, I could do it right now. Um, I will notice that Grub DoorDash will come in like that immediately. Yeah, yeah. You, I will definitely be waiting for Uber Eats, and I'll be waiting a long time for Grubhub. I make it. I get maybe maybe two offers an hour on Grubhub, and it's actually pretty rare that I take them. In fact, I was just doing my 
you know, I have all my spreadsheets that I use to keep track of all my finances and all that stuff. You know, the last time I did a Grubhub order, St. Patrick's Day. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I haven't done a Grubhub order in three months. Hmm. I turn the app on every day. It's just that every time I get a Grubhub order, it's always for a restaurant that's like in a customer. It's on, on the opposite end of the city. Or it's for like, tw it's like a 20 mile trip. Yeah. You know, we could do a whole separate rant about, you know, like what should be the delivery radius for these apps? I think it should be five miles tops. I know or that, if I know that uh, Grubhub has a little bit larger in comparison to everybody else, but uh, usually I don't get as many long drive Uber Eats orders, actually speaking. Although mm -hmm. I know it's available. So I've seen more low pay orders. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we all have. It's, you know, it, it, it cracks me up. You know, we're, I, I will say we're in a recession. Some people don't want to say it, but I'll, I'll say it. Um, and it's just like prices are going up. So, but people are still lazy enough not to go get their own food, but still cheap enough. Not to or, tip. Yeah, yeah, not to tip. But it's like you're already, unless you have, you know, I wish people would just pay the $100 a year for the Dash Pass or, you know, Uber One or whatever. So that you see the that that delivery fee go from five and change to zero, yeah, and that service fee go down to like fifty cents or whatever, yeah. Then people will start tipping. Mm. So, anyway, speaking of tipping, man, what a segue! I don't know if you saw this or not. This is from actually the University of Minnesota. Shout out to Eli. Yeah, she's there. So this is a a, a story about a uh uh study they did about tipping before and after asking people to rate. So. Uh, I'm just going to read pretty much this whole thing. It's not too long. Apps from Uber to Instacart ask customers to include a tip and rate their service. Uh, how much does the order of those questions impact the size of the tip? New University of Minnesota research forthcoming the Journal of Marketing shows customers tend to tip smaller amounts if they're asked to rate service before providing a tip. Uh, and then they say Carlson School of Management, blah, blah, blah. The researchers found customers tip less when asked to rate service before tipping. Across all studies, the size of the tips decreased about 17% on average when customers were asked to rate first. Tipping before rating did not impact the rating scores. The researchers suggest when customers rate before tipping, they categorize their rating as a reward for the worker. As a result, this lessens the customer's tipping obligation and leads to a smaller tip. The effect on tips also extend beyond apps. The researchers conducted a study at a Chinese restaurant during which the servers asked customers to rate their service to help determine the, the employee of the month. When asked to rate the service, the tips decreased by 13%. According to studies, researchers determined the negative impact on tipping was more pronounced if the customers believed the worker directly benefited from the rating, if customers had to pay with their own money, or if the customer tended to be flexible when categorizing so they would reimagine rating and tipping as a similar reward. Simply reminding customers of their ratings, however, eliminated the negative impact on the tip amounts. In one study, the researchers found when participants rated first, but then received a reminder of their scores, especially if it was a good experience, the tips were equivalent to tipping first. The researchers argued that customers were also motivated to keep their tips consistent with their ratings. People have a commitment to consistency motivation, which urged customers who give high ratings to tip more. If I were to rate the driver five stars, but decide to give no tip at all, that can be inconsistent. But by reminding the customer about the high rating, the motivation to be consistent is now at the top of their mind. And uh, yeah, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, it just, it doesn't seem like it'd be 
like one wouldn't have anything to do with the other, but apparently it does. But you know, they made a good point there. Is like the customer they see that like giving you five stars, like oh, that's just as good as giving them a tip. So you know, I'm gonna try something because usually I send a thank you note on like all the apps and I say, you know, please give me a thumbs up or five stars or whatever. I'm gonna I'm gonna do an experiment. I'm gonna stop doing that and see if it you know leads to you know maybe post delivery tips. What do you think? I think with DoorDash and Grubhub specifically, I think that their tip is set and they understand that as customers. And they're probably not going to uh, change their tip at all. And that goes for me as an Uber Eats driver. I mean, not Uber Eats driver, Uber Eats customer as well, because I am on the Uber One program for... uh, their loyalty program but that being said whatever my tip is and this was for me long before i was even a driver or anything like that i'm gonna tip you no matter what you do (laughs) (laughs) um so you're gonna get the tip am i gonna want to like you're gonna get the tip regardless but whatever it is that's it my intention was clear. Um, do I know people that were to tip bait? Yeah. But do I think that somebody rating poorly or rating at all would change the tip entirely? I think it would actually remind people. Let's say they give them a one star and then tip bait you entirely. I think it would actually remind them to do that. And I don't mm. think that's a good idea, personally speaking. Yeah. So let us let us know in the comments if you guys uh, if you notice this, and also on the customer end too. Um, from like with this story is that it's um you know like it's a college study. It's not like you know this isn't in USA Today or New York Times or something. So I'm I not sure how widespread. Have, I do think it has something to do with it on a positive end though, because. Yeah. Let's say Uber Eats or Instacart. If I think that second part where they actually had remind you, hey, this guy was doing, uh, he, you gave him a five star rating. Why would you tip beta? Like, yeah. that's a good or, way to protect gig well, workers. Instacart, I noticed like on the customer end, um, what Instacart does, what they've been doing lately is if you, because like they, they want you to rate the service and, um, but they they do the thing where they they ask you to rate and then like it, like if you have five stars if you say you know helpful chat you know courteous you know all those things the stickers yeah. then it'll say hey you like chat service so much would you consider why not increase your tip you know because um, I use uh, I use Instacart as a customer uh, every once in a while like you know I'll send flowers or candy or something to my parents up in New York so. Uh, I, I I have seen it, you know, every once in a while. Um, is this is they don't uh, they talk about Eric's talking about tip baiting. Well, I mean, this wasn't really about tip baiting per se. It's just more more about you know um, the difference Would, between asking to rate first and tip first. So I believe I haven't used Uber or Lyft as a rider in years, literally years. Hmm. And I believe Uber asks you to tip first, then rate, and Lyft is rate then tip. Or, yeah, 
I can't remember, but it's definitely an interesting perspective. Yeah. Let's move on. I was going to take another break, but you know, we're coming up on an hour and I just want to get these stories knocked out here. So whoops. Pushing. Oh, sharing my screen would help. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we got another one from the daily dot. And this is another case of uh, the TikToker nuking their account. So I'm just going to read the story. You know, this shouldn't be allowed to happen. Instacart shopper says a customer canceled a 125 item order after she collected half of it and Instacart paid her $7 for it. So I'm just going to read the highlights here. Instacart driver shared her experience navigating this lack of control through a series of TikTok videos. Malia Gibbs says a customer canceled a 125 item order after she had collected half of her order. She claimed Instacart would only pay her $7 for her time and threatened to disable her account when she asked for more. And apparently she nuked her video. I went on TikTok and looked for this username. I could not find her. Unless, I'm not sure how TikTok works as far as like if you make your account private or whatever. But I mean, even if, you're, if your account's private, it should still come up in a search unless they blocked you. But I mean, she has no idea who I, I am, so... But were, were you able to find her? Would know who she? No, I think Instacart would find out who she is, and I think that's part of why she's concerned about going viral. Uh, well, she already made. It's like why make the video if you're not willing to go viral? Then it's I don't know. Let's get back to it. So Gibbs explained that she does Instacart as a side gig when she's bored and has the time to make extra money. When she signed up on the morning of May 28th, she picked up a 125 item order from Central Market, which I believe in te in Texas. Which she said tip well, she would have been paid $191. Wow. I mean, I would do 125, 125 item. That's a huge, huge, probably at least two, if not three carts. But if you're going to make $191, I mean, it's probably going to take you about, depending on the, the delivery distance. I mean, that's at least 90 minutes, if not two hours, but still, that's mm -hmm. almost 100 bucks an hour. That's really good. Yeah. However, and that's not even being tip aided. Um, after Gibbs had put, 60-something items for the order under her cart. The customer canceled it. She says the order disappeared from her app after alerting her that it had been canceled due to inactivity. She said she was working hard to make sure everything was to the customer standards, noting that she was messaging them throughout her time shopping. They're responding so they know I'm on the order, she explains. She messaged Instacart support team asking to be reassigned to the order. After the representative finally located the order, she, they said... She couldn't get the order back because the customer had canceled it. Now, having to put back more than 60 items, I wouldn't. I would just go up to a store employee and be like, here, you guys put this shit back. I'm not. Gibbs questioned how much she would be compensated for an hour and a half. She had already spent shopping. The Instacart representative told her they would only be able to offer batch pay, a 7 to $10 base pay shoppers receive as a combination of their batch incentive and delivery distance. In this case, the rep said she would be paid $7. She adds that the representative she was messaging was snappy and rude. I think she means snippy. And she shared screenshots of her interaction in a third video, which we can't watch. The support representative threatened to add a note on her profile to put her account under review and disable it, making her unable to accept orders because she requested an unnecessary bump in pay. There will be nothing more than this represented message read. If you're still demanding the unnecessary pay, I'm going to add the note to your profile and the team will review your account and will deactivate it under the bump abuser. She asked to speak to a manager in response. The representative said he would be adding the aforementioned note to her profile. Gibbs explained that she didn't expect to be paid $191 for the order, but was rather to be hoping paid a sufficient amount for her time, which she considered to be about $20. Yeah. I think $20 is fair. And, uh, and then it's just about what the commenter said. So, um, 
Yeah, a lot to take away from this. I mean, first of all, if it's 125 items, even if it's only going one block, the base pay should be way more than $7. Although we know, even though Instacart denies it, they're like, we haven't cut shoppers' wages, which is technically true. Like as in the case of this story, yeah, but you're still getting paid the seven. They haven't cut the seven dollar base pay for a full shop order. It's just that the they want you to do more work for the same amount of money. So that mm. is in effect uh, a ba- you know a pay cut. You know, pre COVID that would have been the base pay alone probably would have been twenty thirty bucks. Yeah. And also, it depends on the mileage too, how far it is to the customer, which mm. the she didn't. So I mean, we have to take a. Uh, you know, you have to take a lot of what these people say with a grain of salt or like a silo of salt. Um, mm. I would think that the base pay would be more than $7 at least just because of how big, how many 125 items, unless she's, unless she's fibbing about how big the order was. Uh, maybe she shows screenshots of it in the, the video, which unfortunately we can't see. Yeah. If anybody saw this before they nuked it, let me know. Um, and uh, I, 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 can understand and i can definitely believe when she said that the representative was being a jerk um although i i noticed that the representatives tend to play off your emotions so if you're being you know hot and a hothead then they will be a dick back to you if you're cool calm and collected they will be more reasonable with you was that yeah. you or was that um dash theory tv that posted a a, a poll about have you ever blown up on a support representative? I did that. I okay. Was that based on this story? It wasn't based on that story. It was actually uh, some, we were talking about it in one of my live streams where somebody actually asked, have you ever had somebody blow? Like, have you ever given door dash your support hell? And I'm like, you know, I personally have, and I'm not, too thrilled of how i handled myself in that situation but that's a good question how many dashers have actually done that and i'll make a poll of that and that's how that poll came about but in this particular case with uh her i mean this is and this is me personally i can't attest for all instacart shoppers but if that were to happen to me i would turn off instacart entirely and that's why I typically don't do Instacart as a uh, Instacart shopper. I just can't justify going mm-hmm. through 100 and some odd orders, uh, items for what? Like the, the girl had to put it back. I would like, that's why I don't do high item count orders. I would rather take the low item count, small store, pick out, a handful of items and then leave. Mm-hmm. So that way I don't experience what she experienced. Yeah. I've seen a lot of um uh gig tubers, people who are mostly do grub dash eats and they're starting to try Instacart ship corner shop. Um what I've noticed like what what they're notice what they're noticing is they're saying like, you know, the base pay is essentially the same maybe a, a little bit better than like a grub dash eats order, but it's like, yeah, why would I do Instacart labor for grub dash eats pay? And I'm like, I agree with you. Yeah. Because there yeah. was a time where Instacart, the pay was baller and it still can be if the tip is right. M- yeah. If, if the tip is right or pretty much if you only do Costco, Sam's club and BJ's, 
because the chances of getting heavy pay on those orders is, you know, people order, you know, huge, pretty high. Yeah. Yeah. Big cases of anything, or they just order like, you know, 10 cases of bottled water or whatever. And also if you're, if you're spending a ton of money on Costco, it's just, you're going to be a pretty generous tipper too. Mm. Um, like, like aphid cart. He pretty much only does Costco. Um, we got to get him on the show to, uh, I'd be curious to see what his reaction to the story will be. So aphid, I don't know his real name. I keep calling him aphid unless that's his real name. Um, uh, let us know what uh, your reaction to this story is. I, I, I think there's, there's obviously, you know, she's not going to tell the whole story and we're only getting one side of the story here, but it's, she said they're responding. So, you know, I'm on the order. And then, so it's really odd that the customer would just cancel in the middle out of the blue like that, unless, you know, you know actually if they're communicating as actively as she's saying, yeah. it could be a lot of like missing items and stuff like that. They had to basically replace half of the order with yeah. the shortages. Supply chain, ref- yeah. yeah. She had to refund a lot of it. And she was like, you know what? At this point, I don't even want this order anymore cancel yeah remember that happened uh on our story last week of the dude actually i think he was in florida too he was doing a triple and the lady he had to keep refunding half of her order because it was out of stock and she said yeah. cancel the whole he didn't he didn't know how to do it so it's i mean it's possible i mean when you have 125 items you're not getting 125 items you're getting 100 yeah, yeah 110 115 sure. but so i mean yeah. you can replace with comparable you know substitutes that's why i uh when I start shopping, I send customers two notes. Actually, here, I'll bring this up. I'll act like I'm texting Joe here. So, so the first note I say, "Hi, this is Chad," and I, and I use this for corner shop too. Hmm. This is your personal shopper and driver. I only pick quality items and handle everything with care. My goal is to provide every customer a fantastic service. And then I also say, "Joe, you're just about to get a text." <laughs> This is this is the this is the uh, there it is, this is the note. All Instacart shoppers, please copy this. Um, after you send, especially on big orders, if it's if it's only a handful of orders, you probably don't need to send this. But I put, please be advised that grocery stores are experiencing supply chain shortages. The app will send you an automated message for each product that is unavailable. I will replace any out of stock items with your pre selected backups or with comparable substitutes. If you'd rather be to me too, yeah. Okay. If you'd rather be refunded, I can do that. Thanks for your patience and understanding. All right. Sent. Yeah. So now you have this on your phone. You can copy and paste that into Notepad or uh, keyboard keyboard shortcut or whatever. Yep. Um, yeah. So uh, let us know what you guys think in the uh, in the comments. Um, there's something fishy about this story, um, the, the whole, especially the part where it said the app said it was canceled because uh due to inactivity which doesn't make sense so it's saying that the app canceled due to activity but then it's saying that the customer canceled it doesn't that's it doesn't make sense it can only be one or the other it's that Mm -hmm. you know that that meme of the guy who's trying to push he has to decide between two buttons and he's sweating yeah that's kind of like that on here Mm. something something doesn't add up about this one and if i'm sorry the girl nuked her account um if she's watching you know, shoot me an email. I'd love to talk to you. So anyway, let's move on. We got uh, one more. Our, our last two stories are pretty much the same thing about huge 
huge delivery stories. Um, and the first one is a local news story again, but this is in Canada. So this is, I thought this was pretty funny. The customers, a Halifax bride and groom at their wedding with a craving for McDonald's. We spoke to the delivery driver who made the drop off. My full name is Stephen Murphy. My middle name is Douglas for anybody who would like to know. Uh, what I do is I do Uber Eats deliveries for a living, and um, <laughs> that's that's basically it. This is what I usually deliver with. It's a lot more square. Last night, uh, to start the story off, I wasn't planning on going out, but I planned to go out for a different reason. Oh. And uh, I was over here, and I decided to turn my alert on to see if I would pick any orders up. Then I looked at the order details, and the order details said that the customer had ordered 226 items. And I was like, okay, no, this definitely can't be real. So I tried to reach out to the customer to no avail. Hey, Tyler, my name is Steve. I'm an Uber Eats delivery driver. I just got a wild and crazy order with your name on it. You want to give me a call back and confirm that? Went to the restaurant to pick it up. Still didn't know if the order was real. It's $825.41. So about three guys, four guys, plus myself, and my little Uber Eats bag, they all fit in my mini, luckily. It tells me to go to Pier 21, and there's a wedding going on. It says go upstairs to the second floor and deliver. It was real. I met the groom briefly, and I dropped the food off, and they were happy as clams, and I got a little tip, and a wedding party orders McDonald's. Now, here's the tagline of the whole situation. The groom's last name, ironically, is McDonald. <laughs> it was a bright spot in my evening last night because I've, I've been down as of late. My car's got damaged. I got I to gotta get it fixed. And um, I've been looking at uh, the idea. I'm trying to work to save up to get an electric vehicle, and it's, it's called a Solo. So with orders like last night, those don't come along every day, right? Indeed. By the way, we spoke to the newly married McDonald's who were on their way to their honeymoon, but they say with a last name like McDonald, the order only made sense. And by the way, Stephen Murphy is no relation to our own Steve Murphy. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty. That's pretty funny. Um, it cracks me up, though. Of course, the dudes in Canada still wearing a mask in mm. freaking June outdoors. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Man, Can Canadian. You know, I shouldn't talk bad about Canadians. So my next guest on next Tuesday's show is. Dash with Ash, right? Dash yeah. with Ash in Canada, June 21st, 8 p.m. Eastern. And then the week after that, I'll be talking to Rissa Explains It All. She's on the West Coast. I think she's in Cal in uh, L.A. or somewhere around there. But anyway. Uh, um, shit, how do I hide this? There we go. All right. So, yeah, that's pretty funny. I think it, it, like it, that picture they showed of the bride and groom, it looked like they're pretty well off. Mm. Um, so they might have done the McDonald's thing as a joke. Just basically, wouldn't it be hilarious if we just ordered McDonald's for our wedding? Yeah, you know. I, and I, I looked it up. I said, you know, how much, how much does it cost to cater a wedding typically? And they said most of the sites I said between like seventy-five and ninety-two dollars per person. So if you have a hundred guests, you're going to spend anywhere from like seventy-five hundred to like almost ten thousand dollars on uh, on catering. Yeah, on I was actually going to say this is probably the most cost efficient wedding yeah ever so i i 100 agree with that but um 
the one thing I would actually notate, and this is me just having random knowledge about McDonald's, the McDonald's brothers actually do not earn, like, did not earn any royalties from McDonald's because of what Ray Kroc did to the company, actually speaking. And so mm. if you ever watch the founder, they actually go deep into detail about that. I'll but, have to check that out. Yeah. I don't really watch uh, movies anymore. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's a good one. I think it talked. I talked a lot about business and how McDonald's actually became the franchise that it is. Mm-hmm. Um, just don't be Ray Kroc. Never be a Ray Kroc. <laughs> um, let's, let, let, let's cover our last story real quick here. So yeah, this ahead. is this is very similar to the one. Whoops, this is very similar to the one we just did. Yeah, sorry. I get was, a good was... view of me biting on my pen, please. <laughs> the huge Uber Eats Taco Bell order that had Reddit shock. Now, there's no video on this, and it's also from Reddit, so you gotta take it with a grain of salt. Uh, showcase on Reddit: immense, immense order featured 80 servings each of seasoned fries, beef burritos, and nacho cheese tips. Uh, actually, there's a screenshot of it right here. So this, it's a Taco Bell employee. He took a picture of the cash register or whatever you call it. And um, it it went to an Uber Eats. The problem is this is from the Taco Bell employee, not from the Uber Eats driver. So we don't know how much the Uber Eats driver made. And they they didn't even say how much it costs. They said they guessed between $400 and $700. And the the person that posted, I have the, the, here's the actual Reddit right here. Um, He said, he thinks it's from a local, like a, you know, those huge mega churches. He said he's in Texas, Aww. like one of those Joel Osteen churches. A, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. I looked mm-hmm. at that and I was like, what party is this and why wasn't I invited? But yeah. And also, uh, um, so, I mean, there isn't much to say other than to just look at the screen. It's That's pretty funny. But yeah, it, and he was complaining like this came in right before the lunch rush and it took up the whole restaurant an hour to make. And they, he said he had to turn off Uber Eats for the rest of the day. Um, so, I mean, again, with Reddit, you're just taking people's words, you know, other, this is the only, you know, hard evidence we have to go by, but my question would be, you know, um, or not so much a question, but like for the, the customer that placed this huge order, if you're going to place a huge order like this, here, here's a better idea. Instead of sending this gigantic order to one restaurant, why not call like five or 10 different Taco Bells and have all right, you make 40 soft tacos, you make 40 crunchy tacos, you make 40 iced teas, you know, split it up, you know, so, so that you're not slamming a restaurant with this gigantic order. So I know some restaurants that would actually like they it. would tell you like, no, if you're going to place an order like this, you need to give us a real good amount of notice. Yeah, Otherwise, it, we can't take the order. I don't think orders, they're supposed to have a 24 hour window. Exactly. So somebody getting slammed like this by Uber Eats, I definitely imagine that happening, to be honest. By the way, they're also on the same page of this mashed or there's a fast food burritos ranked worst to first. Do you want to go through this? Yeah, sure. Let's go for it. Right, I'm, I'm actually just gonna... curious. All right. So they, it's 15 Taco Bell's beefy five layer burrito. That's a good one. Okay. Qdoba's grilled steak. I get that actually. That why is it only fourteen? That should be top five. Mm-hmm. Chipotle Mexican grill barbacoa. Oh yeah, I love that one. That's that's top five for me. It's worst of first. So yikes. Okay. Yeah. Del Taco's epic loaded queso burrito. Uh, 
I've never had. All right, taco. so that's net. That's a place that's not around here. Okay, Taco Bueno's big. I never had again. That. Not around here. There is a Del Taco by UCF, but I've never been there. Okay. Baja Fresh, Chicken Baja Burrito. I think is there is. one by here? I don't. I've never seen that. Yeah, Taco John's Super Burrito. Okay, so pretty much every that looks place like Taco that's Bell. not everywhere. Yeah. Is on the top. Oh, okay. Here have, we go. Talk about burrito Bell's supreme. Burrito supreme. Okay. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. It wouldn't be my first choice, but Freebirds. I don't know where that. I don't is. know where that is. Del Taco again, again. Del Taco, not around here. El Pollo Loco's chicken avocado burrito. Well, interesting. I, I think that's one of those kind of like fast casual chains, but I yeah don't think there's one around here. Rubio's. Never heard of them. I haven't even heard of that. Qdoba again. That's okay, a terrible so picture. Adobo chicken burrito. You gotta have it. Take it with a bite out of it. Take it with a bite out of it. Come on, you can't do that. Bull crap. Moe's. All right. I, you know. Uh, funny, okay. Okay. Moe's is a lot like a uh, Chipotle or Qdoba or one of those. Yeah. And there's a lot of them. Home in, uh, Yeah. There's a, a lot of them on Long Island where I used to live. So. Number one, That's Chipotle. Carnes, uh, Carnitas burrito. Yeah, I mean, I get I, well, actually what I get all the time is you can do 50 50. I do uh, 50 50 Carnitas and Barbacoa. Mm. That one's really good. Yeah, and I usually get bowls instead of burritos because you save about 300 calories that way. You don't need you don't need the flour, okay. just eat it with the spoon. You save 300 calories. Mm. It's amazing how much calories are in just a freaking burrito shell. Yeah, that's true, and not to mention. Any of the tortilla options, such as uh, quesadillas, tacos. Yeah. Like, can we get a list for the best tacos and quesadillas, please? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they would. Well, here's the part of the show where you plug whatever is going on with you. Uh, well, first off, I am always on YouTube, Driven Wild. On, You're always on, on TikTok. I'm always on TikTok. That's true. I've been a little slow about it. Let's open it up. See if you come up. TikTok knows that I'm talking to you because every time I do this, <laughs> you never. But if I'm on, if I'm at a red light and I open TikTok, or if I'm on the bowl, open TikTok. You're the first person I see. Yeah, I've been a little slow about it these days, though, because well, the order flow has been a little slow these days. So I haven't had too many stories to talk about on TikTok. Um, I'm on Instagram and I'm on Twitter, all driven at Driven Wild, W-Y-L-D. Yep. And I don't that's, have too much going on. That's good brand marketing is that you want the same handle. Like you can see right here, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, I'm at GigTube Podcast, but Odyssey, Rumble, YouTube, I'm just GigTube. Mm. The problem is I don't want to give up GigTube on YouTube because I feel like somebody else would grab that. Yeah, yeah. So that I actually agree with what you're doing. But that being said, I don't know if podcast and GigTube are... <laughs> I, we might need to chop pod, the podcast part on the other side to make it... Well, you know, I had to add podcast is because at GigTube was already taken on all on these four you gotta be kidding me really yeah yeah oh. it's it's from like years ago oh. in fact if you google gigtube it comes up with like some camera uh it's like some it's like a camera from like 
10, 15 years ago that I believe you can still buy on Amazon. Nonsense. I call nonsense. (laughs) There was something else I wanted to mention, but I can't remember what, but anyway, you know, I, again, I thought we were going to keep this under 60 minutes. I keep cutting when I'm putting the shows together. I'm like, nah, that's too shows too long. Cut that out. I want to get this under 60 minutes. We still Mm. going close to 90 minutes here. Fortunately, I'm not working out. I'm taking this whole week is a rest week. Um, I mean, I'm still getting, you know, plenty of steps and walking and all that stuff, yeah. but I'm just, I'm not lifting this week. I'm just, cause I'm in between, uh, like programs or whatever. Hey, not you're doing more out there than cares. I am. Yeah. You're doing a lot more <laughs> than I am right now. So I understand. Do you have a, a Fitbit or Apple watch or something like that? I used to, and then now it doesn't hold the charge. So I can't actually use my Fitbit anymore. Uh, you can get a new one. It's pretty cheap. Yeah. I'm going to have to, I'm going <laughs> to, or have get to. an Apple watch. You're, I thought you're a tech guy, you know? Yeah, I was gonna I say would, you can. That's you can what I'm your steps and calories and all that stuff. Yeah, that's what I'm planning on getting is an Apple Watch. Although I, I do notice that the Fitbit will give you phantom steps when you're driving. Mm. Like I'll be driving and I just look at my wrist and all, like the the step count just keeps going up. Mm. Or like because like it's 40 minutes from here to the Amazon Flex Warehouse in Daytona, and yeah. I'll check how many steps I have when I get in the car, and then I check when I pull up, and I get like anywhere from like a hundred to like a thousand phantom steps. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Amazon Flex, let's see if there's any good blocks today. I get I they know. have to accept me into their program at this point. Like seriously, nothing, come on. Nothing good yet. There's a a there's 130 a to 430 for 63. The nice thing about the Daytona warehouse is that the, the blocks start at $21. Oh, you know what? This is a this is this reminds me of, I was gonna tell a story. So this is what happened on Monday. So I grabbed a I think it was two to five thirty. That's three and a half hours, and it was paying seventy three fifty or something. Okay. Um, and my my and and I oh, actually I grabbed back to back blocks. So I grabbed I think it was like one no it was one thirty to five or whatever, and then it was five to eight or something I, whatever. And so I get to the warehouse and I'm like the last car in line, so I'm like rushing to get there. And every time you pull up, you got to show them your phone because I say how many, you know, what's your, because, you know, some people have like, it's anywhere from like two to four and a half hours. Hmm. And he says, you know, what's your block? And I say three and a half hours. And he tells me, okay, go in that lane. And then you pull up and like, there's a rack with all the packages there. And this, this rack was huge. It had 48 packages and I scanned the route code and I put everything in the car and um, it on the printout of the, like the route planner or the uh, manifest or whatever, it'll say, uh-huh how many hours and I, and it, actually when you scan it too, it'll, and you see it in your phone, it'll tell you what your, how many hours this route is for. Yeah. I didn't notice it at the time. I didn't notice it until after I had finished it. So um, I get this route and it's a day, these day shift routes. What's nice about this, these ones is that it's, they're all going to be houses right next to each other. The problem is a lot of times they're out in the country and I, Oh, and I've lost so many freaking splash shields on my car to those country roads, like just just mm. massive asteroid size uh, potholes, you know. Yeah. Um. And but this one was all suburbs, and so like I'm, and what I usually do is I actually run from the car to the house and back just to get the steps. And it also depends on what exercise I did that day. But anyway, mm. so I'm knocking this thing out lickety split, and like. There was, like I said, there was 48 packages. And then I realized that three of the stops are for campgrounds or like trailer parks. And three of those stops have like 10 packages each. 
So like 30 out of 50 packages are just for three stops. You know, wow. so I finished the entire route in 90 minutes. I'm like, oh, that was sweet, you know. Yeah. And then I realized that it, what they, they gave me a two hour route rack. So I finished uh, the two hour route in 90 minutes, which would have been normal anyway. Hmm. But I still got paid because the Amazon employee screwed up. I still got paid the full three and a half hour rate. Nice. You know? Nice. Yeah. So that was a uh, pretty sweet. That is and then, sweet. uh, so I'm in Port Orange, which is out by the beach. You know, it's just south of Daytona. And then yep. uh, a like $40 BJ's comes in. And of course me, you know, I leap before I look. I just snatch it up and I grab it. And then I realize it's about 20 items, which isn't too bad on BJ's. And it's all, mm. like, it's mostly like it's produce and frozen foods. And it's not like, you know, big, huge bottled water or anything like that. Yeah. Um, then I realized it's going from Port Orange to DeBerry, which is basically coming back here, which is DeBerry is like right on the, the border between uh, Sanford and like Volusia County, which is mm -hmm. so I'm basically getting paid like 40 bucks to drive home. And so I, and I canceled the, uh, the other Amazon flex block. And then like I called and I'm texting the customer and I'm like, uh, because there were actually a couple of problems wrong with their order. And like, while I have her on the phone, I'm like, did you realize Instacart sent your order to the BJ's? in Port Orange, even though there's one in Sanford. And she's like, oh, and I didn't know that. I was like, yeah, so I'm coming. It's going to be about 30, 35 minutes because it's about 30, 35 miles. And I'm trying to guilt trip this customer into giving me a bigger tip or a cash tip at the door maybe. And she met me at the door. And then like she came in like, and I heard like a baby crying. So she's like, I got to go back inside. And then like, so I bring, you know, I bring everything up to her door and like, I'm kind of trying to find an excuse to wait around to see if she's going to come back out and she doesn't. So then I go back in the car and I'm just sitting in the car and just playing with my phone in the car and she doesn't come back out. I'm like, Oh, this lady, well, she's not gonna give me a cash tip. Um, I'm like maybe she'll increase her tip in the app afterwards. No, she did not. no. <laughs> you know why? Cause they probably asked her to rate me five stars and she's like, well, I give the guy five stars. That's just as good as. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh so i kind of got hosed on that one although i mean right. you know the bright side was that you know since i was already back in my home area i just turned on instacart and corners and i made more than i would have made had i done that amazon flex block and saved on the mileage too so nice nice yeah i should have opened the show with that story but uh it was a good right. story it was yeah. a good story if anybody's still watching or listening at this point, you're a real gig tube groupie. So. <laughs> All right. We're going super long. Thanks for watching. And I will be back on Sunday morning with Hannibal with another episode. And like I said, I'll be back on Tuesday night with Dash and Ash in Canada. So check that out. Check out Joe's channel. Link is in the show notes. And uh, have a good day, everybody. All right. I'll see you. See you Bye. later.